The goal is I want to make money because the more money I make, I can put back in the brand mm -hmm. and keep going. Yeah. And that's the goal. Don't think about the exit. Mm. And the exit is I'm going to sell this company. I'm going to sell this brand. If you're thinking about that, you're doing a disservice to yourself and the brand. If it's a good brand, it's going to happen. But don't force it. You can't make that happen. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of Culture Text. Angie Ange, I am here and we have two special guests actually joining the podcast today. One is my co-host of the Angie Ange Morning Show on 93.9 WKYS here in D.C. And that is my man DJ Money. What's up, what's up? He's also a black bottle boy. Of course. And when he told me about this guy right here in the middle, Brett Barish, I said, wow, let me bring him in here. Because when it comes to the black bottle boys, when it comes to Bel Air, we've all seen it. We've seen it in the videos. We've seen Rick Ross talk about it. But did you know who's behind? It. It's him. Brett, welcome to Culture Tech. Thank you, Angie. <laughs> Very much appreciate you uh, having me and sitting down with Money as well, who's been uh, a huge supporter, a huge yeah. fan. Yeah. So this is great. And we appreciate you for giving back uh, to Culture <laughs> Tech with these these awesome bottles, which we're going to talk about the product and your newest product, which is Bamboo, which I just had a taste of, mm. and it is cheers. absolutely cheers. incredible. So let's cheers. start the interview with cheers. Cheers, a cheers to us. Uh, a cheers to Culture Text and the knowledge that we're going to get from talking to Brett today, because you're actually the founder of Sovereign Brands. Correct. We see this and we consume it and we love it. And a lot of times we don't understand that you don't have to be the Rick Ross in front of the bottle. You don't have to be the one that promotes it all the time endorses it you could actually be like a brett right here and be the one that's behind creating and building brands and, and connecting the brands. so it starts with sovereign brands is that correct correct so what we're all about doing is creating brands in categories that we think we can make a better product we saw these big giant companies who control categories if you take sparkling or champagne there's some huge companies that control the industry but there's ways and, and better product out there and the key is to get people to become aware of that so it yeah. starts with the brand itself yeah and i think that's the critical component creating a quality brand what that means for me is the detail there's pillars that i think are critical from a brand building perspective one is clearly the product itself if it doesn't taste good they're never going to come back you can have a beautiful package if they don't like it they're never going to try it. But the reverse is true too. Mm -hmm. If they don't see it or recognize it, I don't have millions of dollars to spend on advertising. I'm not promoting this with billboards. I'm not a giant corporation. I'm not Moet. So I need people to think, wow, that is pretty neat looking. Let me try that. Or that's interesting. So you got to have both. That's what I think our brands have. Let's talk a little bit about your industry. The wine, the wine and spirits industry sure. is is um, roughly what would you say is kind of like the, the type of money that is made when it comes to wine and spirits, like overall in the market? It's a pretty big I, billion a, dollar no, business, there, right? it's a it's a huge industry. And in many ways, it's separate. People in the wine category are in the wine business. People mm. in the spirit category are in the spirit business. We're a little bit unique because we're doing both. Again, it comes down to us wanting to make a better product. But it's a huge industry, and like most industries, it's concentrated amongst very big companies. Right. It's almost, there's an 80-20 rule in every industry. 80% of the business is controlled by 
20% of the people out there. Mm. And that's what happens. But it's a very big industry. There's no question. Because a lot of people get discouraged. Like you said, we see Moet and you're thinking, man, I can't compete with that. Sure. What made you say, man, we could take a small operation and compete. The way I've come to build a brand today is literally based on all the things I made a mistake on. I wanted that quick return in the beginning. I wanted it fast. I wanted it right away. I wanted to have a brand everywhere perspective. And it wasn't until making lots of mistakes and almost stopping did I realize that's not the goal. Mm. People say this a lot, enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. It didn't hit me until the very end of not succeeding that, wow, I do like what I'm doing and it's not about having it all. Mm -hmm. And that's the big difference for me. So when we launch a brand, Today, it's no different than it was five years ago in launching Bel Air. Mm -hmm. I'm slowly bringing it to market. I don't want a lot of business. I just want to go where the brand is working and build it slowly. A single can turn into a double, turn into a triple. I know I can round the bases, but I don't need to rush to get there. And that's the mistakes that I made Mm. in the early beginnings, just rushing to get to market. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah. let's take it back to 99. No, 1999 is when you founded Sovereign Brands, correct? correct? With your brother, Brian. Correct. And your father had kind of been in the business via Jim Beam. Correct. So you kind of been around or in the industry. Correct. If you ask me in 1999, I'll tell you the same thing that, that I would say today is, the beauty of what I think my brother and I have is is a couple things. One is I think it's also good to work with somebody else mm. okay. because you have a support. You have somebody you can bounce ideas bounce of. Ideas. You need a cheerleader. I also think it's important, and my brother and I are like this, we're completely two different people with two different responsibilities. Right. And I think that's another thing people make a mistake on. If, if people are doing everything together, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. The core of how we've looked at our business is, I need to look at it as an outsider. If you're too close to, again, at my level, you know, again, I'm not coming at this, I'm not a Diageo, I'm not Moed, I don't have millions of dollars to sink into anything. You're the little guy. Correct. If you're too close to any industry, you don't see the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I can't even walk into a liquor store today because it's overwhelming to me, Mm -hmm. meaning I need to have my own view of the world and how things are done. And if I'm too smart in the way everyone else is doing it, I don't see what the, uh, how to get there. I'm, I'm curious about this. So, so th- is that from the standpoint of like research in a sense? Like, like you kind of, you prefer not to know like everything that's out there? I'll give you an example. Um, Bel Air. Mm-hmm. If I was solely in the industry, I'd be following what everybody else in the industry is doing. Gotcha. And in this category of champagne sparkling, this brand, this will be our biggest brand. It was just released. It's called a Brute. And a brute style, this is Bel Air Gold, and a brute style champagne is your traditional champagne color. This is the leader. We decided, I didn't want to launch with this, because this is what everybody does. Uh, Everybody launches this first, and then you do a rosé, and then you do a uh, what's called a demi-sec, and then you do something else. We decided I'm going to launch Rosé first. I want to make a name for myself first, which is the opposite of the industry. Mm. People don't do that. When we came out with this brand, Bel Air Rosé, people said, 
we uh, the trade when I say the people that's the industry said we were we're nuts this is crazy you can't put a rosé in a black bottle right. you can't see the liquid right. I was saying because people want to see, want to see, see the rosé the rosé color yeah. and again 20 years ago I would have said okay we got to change this right I gotta okay. I gotta do brute first I, I got to come back with my rosé. Right. Um, when I presented, I tell a story and I tell it internally to our own people. I remember being at the distributor meeting in New York and visiting our distributor and showing them the brand. And they said, you, you, you can't price it the way you did. Um, you got to, you can't put it in a black bottle. You can't launch rosé. You're not going to sell more than 500 cases. We sold 15,000 cases the first year. Wow. I need to do things differently to get attention mm. because I don't have what everyone else has. And that's where it's kind of, I understand our industry. I, I know what everyone is doing, but I got to look at it from an outsider. I and it's you. combining that, those two goals. I hear visibility is always like a, a way that you need to market your product. Sure. But I felt like the way that you did that, it almost made, in, in a sense, the other, other brands look at you to see what you, you were going to do next. Kind of get scared a little bit, I felt like, because you weren't doing the normal the normal act. It and was, it that was working. Was, and it was working. <laughs> Correct. Was that, was that necessarily your, that was, was your plan when it comes to how you came up with the, with the black bottle? Because I was always curious about that. It, it's sometimes you need to be different. You know, they say, what is it? Imitation is the best compliment. It's flattery. I think there's no question we've seen that and it's happening. 100%. Something started with our brand, which is called Black Bottle Boys, Black Bottle Girls, right. the Black Bottle Movement. Mm -hmm. It's not something we started. That's something you started. It's something a fan started. It's something where we saw out there, people started referring to themselves as black bottle boys, black bottle girls, black bottle movement. And that's where, again, from a brand's perspective or the way we approach it is embrace what's happening because that's your supporter. It's a slower way to do it. Again, we're not putting advertising out there saying who we are. I'm learning who we are by the consumers and the fans. And that's working for us. Now, to create something like this, I know you guys are called Sovereign Brands, but does that mean you took this brand that already existed and kind of took it over and then and did all the marketing behind it? Or did you go to France, find the rosé, pick it, pick the bottle, build the name? How does that Correct. work? Everything we do is based on, let's think of it as the best of the best mentality. This was us saying, I think there's an opportunity for us to make a better rosé. That was the okay. goal. Okay. And then the second step is the best rosé in the world for, if, if you don't know and listeners don't know, comes from Provence, France, which right. is the French Riviera, it's the, it's Monaco, it's the, it's the Grand Prix, it's <laughs> Provence. Yeah. That is the best place. Okay. And we wanted to make the best sparkling rosé in the world. Okay. And it should come from Provence. Right. And we met with different producers and we ended up working with uh, a wonderful family who's fifth and sixth generation father and son, okay. who is now the single largest producer of Provence sparkling rosé. And wow. it's because of Bel Air. And then same thing with when we went into the Brut category mm -hmm. or in Lux, because those are more traditional. Those grapes used in Brut are, for us, it's Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. Where's the best Chardonnay in the world? To right. us, it comes from Burgundy, France. That's where we wanted to produce it. Then we set out the same example. Let's work with the best producer to come up with what we think is better than everybody else's. Mm -hmm. That became gold. That became Bel Air Lux. Then we started working on the packaging. 
and the design and the story behind the brand. But it's the details from any brand building exercise, whether you're an artist or someone like myself, it's all the little things. Like I, I remember talking to uh, a Boogie with a hoodie and Boogie designed his own, which I thought was so cool. He designed in his last album, the artwork on the cover. Mm. You know, it's, it's that attention to detail because mm. you care so much. You want everything to be exactly perfect. Mm. So whether it's the label and the design or the look of the bottle or the feel of a product, you want it to all be perfect. That's what's put into a good brand that I can have an honest conversation with you or money and say, try this, hear the story behind this, feel how special this brand is. Okay. This isn't a corporate America brand or corporate global brand right. saying, shoving it down your throat and saying, you know, here's our, here's our line extension. Mm. You know, that's not what this is about. Now, before we get into your relationships with, with the hip hop community, I want to talk about relationships because, sure. you know, again, you were able to connect with families that produce this. A lot of people don't realize the amount of work and effort that goes into partnerships and relationships. Sure. What would you suggest to people about building relationships? How does that work? I, I think it's it's a few things. First, it's trying somebody's product. Do you like it? Do you like the direction they're going? If I like their product, then it's, do I like the people behind it? Can I have a relationship with them? A lot of times, anybody in any industry has their blinders on. They're afraid to look outside the box. And the goal is to kind of open it up and let's have an honest conversation of, I want to make something better. Help me get there. I want to produce, you know, uh, champagne sparkling wine from Provence that no one's done before. Are they open-minded to listen to me and my ideas? And how do we take my ideas and blend them with their beautiful wine and history of 100 plus years of making wine and blend that together? Mm -hmm. That's where it starts. That type of relationship. We're in 100 countries as a brand, which is amazing. It's the fastest growing sparkling, premium sparkling in the world. Our producer can't keep up. Mm. That's okay because they've been with us forever for a long time. Right. We're happy with them. They're happy with us. I want to make sure they succeed. We're succeeding. They'll get there. How did you go about like assessing the capital as far as how much this is going to cost? How much did you have to put in? For me, it was putting my own money in and my father put money in, my brother put money in. And I almost wanted to talk about it from a mistake perspective. Okay. So we took the money we had and we had a grand plan. Then it was a big business plan of, you know, this is how we're going to do it this year and next year. And it's a three-year plan or four-year plan. And it failed. Sometimes it's okay to start small because then you're not taking all the money that you have and putting it into a plan where tomorrow it may not work. Mm. Meaning you, you've spent a year or two out where it wasn't right to begin with. Mm. So if I use Bel Air as an example, my brother and I, we didn't know if this was gonna be a, a retail brand, meaning sell, sold at liquor stores, which in my okay. industry is a great place to be in. Right. Or it was gonna be sold in bars, restaurants, hotels, which is where that's traditional. Okay. So there's a saying, you sell it in bars, restaurants, hotels, to get a name and then it builds to the retail. Got That's it. how everyone does it. Okay. So if I would have done like everybody else and marketed to hotels and nightclubs and bars, this brand would fail. Mm. Because 
we kind of tested it first. We kind of let it go, let it breathe. And you know what happened? This brand is a huge retail brand. Mm. It's a great thing for a brand. But it was up us saying, kind of trying things, what works and what doesn't work, kind of taking a walk before you run mentality. Right. That's where we found success, and we do it on every one of our brands. So basically, start somewhere, use your money, but not all your money. Correct. Use enough where you can at least test it out and see what's working and what's, what's not. What's working and what's not. Correct. And then just kind of build. It's follow where are you having success mm. and focusing on, on them, and you're going to build from there. I love that. But but I think the, the mistake, and, and I still get people come to me with investment ideas, or I want to do this brand, I want to do this, uh-huh. and they've got a presentation that says, if I can get 2% of this industry, it's going to be X billion dollars. <laughs> I can't think like that. Yeah. I used to think like that, Okay. but it's all in the past. That's not the right way to build anything, because the goal is, I want to make money, because the more money I make, I can put back in the brand mm-hmm. and keep going. Yeah. And that's the goal. Don't think about the exit. Mm. And the exit is, I'm going to sell this company. I'm going to sell this brand. If you're thinking about that, you're doing a disservice to yourself and the brand. If it's Mm. a good brand, it's going to happen. But don't force it. You can't make that happen. That's interesting you say that because I feel like um, most business people are taught to like build a business with the exit strategy in mind. Right, yeah, kind yeah. of the first and business guy I've heard say, yeah, don't think about the exit because they say you basically are building a business to sell it. If you set expectations too high, you're going to fail. Mm. You know, Bamboo, our rum, we have major chains who want the brand. Mm. I'm afraid to sell it. Mm-hmm. I want it to succeed, but if it doesn't work there, you're out. I say this a lot with comparing brands to kids. You got to learn what they like and what they don't like when they're ready for something, when they're not. Right. Um, with Bamboo, it's a brand that I had been working on for six, seven years before it was ready to be introduced, meaning the bottle design, the name, the product itself, uh, the cork, because it's big and long and you could bite it. And I wanted something you could like pop it out of your mouth like a, like a pirate. We introduced it to our whole sales team. Uh, in a, in January two years ago, saying we're going to get ready to launch this, mm-hmm. and then two weeks later we decided no, we're going to wait a year. Wow, we're going to wait a year because I didn't because one Bel Air was doing great, okay, and I wanted to make sure Bel Air everyone's happy, and I didn't want to introduce another brand yet. But the twenty year ago, Brett would have been I got to get this out, I got to get this out, I got to get okay. this out. There's no rush because if you're putting it all in and you're succeeding, yeah. and it'll all come. Rhapsody said to me, who I'm a huge fan of mm, the artist. Though. You know, she's like, as long as you know, as long as I got gas in the car to get to the studio, I'm happy. Good. I'm yeah. good. I want I want to talk about your high profile uh, partnerships, though. You know, again, first time I ever saw Black Bottle was Rick Ross. Yeah. How did you connect with Ross, even with Jay? Like, was he an endorser first, or how does that work? And and how did you get into those circles where you're able to build those relationships and say, hey, let's be partners, let's do this? I used to say yes to everything. Saying no in business is the most powerful thing you can do. Mm. Meaning, uh, I can't do that sponsorship. I can't do, people ask you for everything. This is true. And the ability to say no is a powerful thing because 
you want people to respect your brands mm. and what you're trying to build. And everything to date, whether it's Jay-Z or Rick Ross, people heard about the brands. They saw something they liked. That's my goal. You know, I, I have a saying, I want you to buy two bottles. One you, you open, the other you keep on your shelf. True. Okay. Uh, you want to show it off. My dad says you can't buy cool. They wanted to be involved in the brand. Mm. And then it was us saying, well, they're supporting us. How can we support them? Okay. And it became a conversation. Rick, how you're, you're doing, you love our brand. This is great. I would love to work with you. Let's mm. try to figure out a way to work together. And Rick has been a huge supporter of the brand. How do you get from being the one holding the bottle to being the one getting some equity in, in something like this? I, I hate to say it, but not everyone is going to do it. Right. Meaning the corporate world isn't going to give that opportunity. It's Makes just a sense. reality. Absolutely. There are certain people or certain companies that could and would. Mm. I'm one of those. Mm. I want to see everybody succeed. Absolutely. I want to see them do great. I'm more excited about seeing Rick do really well with us mm -hmm. than I am for myself <laughs> because he believed in me enough to want to be a part of this mm -hmm. and I want to see people succeed. Mm -hmm. You got to have that conversation with people mm -hmm. and see where's the opportunity for you or that artist. Also, you got to make sure you're working with a company or people who know what they're doing. Okay. I think Rick or Khaled would be great examples of people, artists who are embracing brands okay. and saying, I can support you and I can show you off and it makes me look good too, meaning themselves. Yeah. I think a lot of artists are afraid. They're afraid of that it's somehow not authentic. There are people out there like me who are supportive and want to work with people like Rick or, or Young Thug or Lil Wayne or we're out there. It's right. just you got to have that conversation. Got to have the conversation. Now, real quick, uh, I want to go back to retail real quick. Yep. The price point that you picked was mm. very interesting. Almost felt like you were making sure that it was more accessible yep. to others. Why, what made you pick the price point that you picked? Uh, put, for both brands, actually. And put, did you catch flack for that? Because I assume, like, you know, other companies would have said, oh, you can't have a rosé at that price. Sure. I, my biggest mistake with these brands is they're not priced high enough. <laughs> really. <laughs> they should. But I wanted to give a price point that it's one premium. My, I'm not, my brands are aspirational. Aspirational right. means when I take a picture, I want to hold the bottle. Because to me, these these brands are a sign of achievement. Yeah, I've yeah, done yeah. something. Something wonderful has happened. Celebration. Correct. Yeah. It's a trophy. But I wanted also a brand that can be achievable and reached for everybody. The other is, which is interesting in the champagne category, which is, I've forgotten about this, is the prices vary based yeah. on different style of cuvee. Rosé is this price. Brut is this price. We line price everything, meaning it's the same price. Right. So I wanted people to be able to buy multiple bottles that they feel like they're getting a, a good quality, a great quality product. They won't be disappointed. Correct. Was, was, was Correct. Now, I want to switch um, gears a little bit and ask you, I'm going to, these are all questions from our Culture Tech audience. You speak a lot about making the product as best as it, as it can be and it will sell. If you didn't have hip hop ambassadors so integrated with the Bel Air brand, do you think it would still be selling as well? Yes. And I'm in the music business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm not in the sports business. I'm not in, I'm, I'm not in the entertainment business. I'm in the liquor business. I'm in the wine business. Okay. I didn't set out to create any of these brands for anybody except me. Mm. Meaning if it didn't work, I'm going to drink it. 
Yeah, <laughs> but meaning I'm the consumer. Uh, we don't have focus groups tasting stuff and trying things and marketing groups. I think, you know, if you were in my office and you came in, I'd taste you on the next brand. What do you think of this? Mm. My audience is people, just the normal people out there. Yeah. It's happening on its own because of the quality of the product. We do unbelievably well in Canada. We do unbelievably well in France. Mm. We do unbelievable in the UK. It has nothing to do with the music world. But now, for example, Lil Wayne is supporting our brand. Mm. And we started supporting him. And But it came after, meaning the brand has to work first. It's got to be a quality product. Another question. Can anyone break into the liquor industry or are there many years of relationships that you need? To me, it's a very even playing field. We've got a saying internally, no one's going to do it unless you do it. No one follows up unless you follow up. No one... Uh, is going to help you unless you help yourself. Very true. If, you, if you're dependent on anybody to make your brand successful, mm. it won't work. The distributors today are very large. The liquor, the retailers are very large. Um, but if I'm waiting for them for my success, it's not going to work. So to me, that's why it's even, as long as you're thinking about it from your own perspective. How much does it cost to manufacture a bottle of Bel Air? How much are you selling them for and how do you determine what you want your profit margin to be? So we know how much, I mean, we know the selling price is affordable, but. I think the best way to start is who do you want to compete with? Okay. Because then you're using a peg. It's saying, I want, I want to compete with, you know, the highest end rum. I want to compete with Moet or Voo. The beauty of, of that is it's out there, mm -hmm. meaning you have a, a point to work from. Mm -hmm. And do I want to come in at their price? Do I want to come below? Once you kind of set your parameter, then it's working backwards. Okay. Meaning, well, I know it's this price. I know a distributor makes, uh, a retailer needs to make, and this is any industry, mm -hmm. uh, I, it needs to make, I'm using an example, 25%. I know a distributor needs to make 25%. Mm -hmm. So this is ultimately the price I can sell it for. Yeah, so you kind of work in percentages, not necessarily like actual price point. Is that? Well, you start with a price point. Mm -hmm. Okay. You right. start with the price point and then work backwards. Okay. Then work backwards. You know, we're, we're doing a whiskey. We're going to be coming out of the whiskey and it just happens. I'd love to be at, you know, $50 a bottle, right. for example. But my whiskey is so expensive, I'm not going to get there. Mm. Meaning I can have one of two choices. I can take less margin for myself mm -hmm. or go at a higher price. So you go for the higher price. In this case, I'm going to take less margin. Oh, right. I am. Because okay. I view it as... I don't want to go higher because I'm going to lose volume. Got it. So you've got to operate within price points that, again, what are you trying to achieve? If you're going to come out with a product that's $100 a bottle, there's a limited place for you. Right. So you don't expect that you're going to get, you know, millions and millions of bottles. It doesn't exist. Right. It, it, it's what do you want to be, you know? Yeah. And you got to live with that. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be 100, okay, well, that market is X size then. The Culture Text wanted to know how much, and I think we could talk from a percentage standpoint, do you allocate for your annual marketing budget? We use very little money for marketing. Marketing for us is getting behind people who are supporting the brand. you got to work within what's going to move your brand, meaning could I do a festival? Sure, I could. Who cares? No yeah. one's going to care about the brand. No one's going to see the brand. So to me, this is 
more about putting dollars behind things that actually move the brand, whether it's at retail and tasting people. If you're in a venue that's doing well, how can I do even better at that venue? Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So we don't look at it as a percentage. And again, it gets back to what's going to move the needle? I want to make money and I want everyone to do well with this. What's going to, how do I get that retailer or that bar or that restaurant to sell a little bit more? Mm. It's putting money behind them. We're going to sell a little bit more. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Cause I mean, but the reality is failure, failure hurts, you know? So a lot of people have a hard time bouncing back from failures where you kind of tend to, you seem to embrace it as a sense of like, okay, I've learned something and I'm going to do better the next time. Is that kind of the, for people who may be trying their concept out and it's just not working. They, they, they're trying that food truck. It's not working. They're trying their new, uh, product. It's, it's not selling. You know, how do they, how do you rebound from failure? Stay motivated. Yeah. Well. It's, it, Cause it's, yeah. it's hard. Like everybody doesn't look at failure and say, you know, that this is, this is great. It's like I can, lesson. I can learn. Yeah, I Sometimes can learn they look lesson. at it like, oh, I, I can never try again yeah. or reset. And here you are with, with this huge brand. You're talking about whiskey, the gin, like you, but you've had those failures, Correct. you know, and you kept going, you persevered. I, I th- How do we do that? I, I, How do we stay on course? I, I remember, I remember the, you know, my mother talking to my mother on the phone and we were going to wind up the company. And she says, you know, Brett, I'll sell my rings. I'll put it all in. Wow. I remember, you know, moving the company from an office to my apartment in New York and pretending it was an office <laughs> uh, and having people, you know, I, I had one and then two people working out of my house. I remember, you know, uh, uh, buying an air conditioner for the first time uh, because it was so hot. And, <laughs> and I finally thought I have some money. I remember you know, depositing the first check, you know, in the bank and hoping the teller would look at me because <laughs> it looked like a lot, you know, but, but I was taking those little things yeah. and saying, okay, I can, I'm, I can do better and yeah. I can do more. Uh, I, I think just realizing that you're going to make mistakes and how do you pivot? Quickly pivot. Quickly pivot. Yeah. Okay. That's, and especially today with, you know, when we did ACE, we didn't have social media. Think about Ooh, that. That's a good point. You, you know, so now all of a sudden there's a whole new opportunity. You've got to be able to pivot this mm. and move in a different direction if if that's what's going to move your brand. Yeah. I'm going to be wrong. So how do I fix this? Yeah. How do I change this? Every day is me asking that question. Mm. No, absolutely. Brett, thank you so much for the thank time. You. Thank you both. Brett, you're you're a beautiful spirit. Oh, I don't know if anybody told you that, but you're a very beautiful I think it's spirit. because they say I look like a yogi. I mean, that's part of it. There's a look, but there's also the vibe. I get a good vibe no, from thank you. you. Thank you. But it, it, before I let you go, is there anyone, any artist that you've yet to work with that you're really looking forward to working with? Do you have like your eyes set on anybody in particular that you would want to add to your list of brand ambassadors? Because um, I mean, you have a nice list. I think what Cardi B is doing is fantastic. Another nice. person who's just on her own. Yeah. Um, I still, Drake, who I love, who, who I think is fantastic. Uh, uh, Travis Scott, another one who's just—he's oh, he's turning iconic. Um, I can see him like shaking his bottle and pouring it on his ASAP. ASAP Rocky, I think, is ASAP. great. Brett Barish, thank you so thank much you. for the time. Congratulations to you as thank well. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of Culture Text. Any last things you want to say? Can we connect with you? Follow you? Follow yes. your movement? Follow uh, what you're hit doing? Us How to, do we do that? Uh, this uh, Bel Air's Instagram, which is our main vehicle for communication, okay. hit us, DM us directly which is uh, official Bel Air. 
Uh, bamboo is original bamboo. Um, wonderful brands. Amazing. Uh, if you want true quality, you want the best. I guarantee. Taste it against anything else, and you'll never, yeah. you'll never go back. Yeah. Uh, great brands, and uh, I'm always open to ideas. People share awesome. with me, please. Awesome. Cheers to you, Brett. Thank, Thank you. you so Cheers. Much. I'm down to just a, a tiny, a, a tiny bit left. Money is slacking. Okay, I gotta get on it. All right. On that note, we out of here. Culture Text. Angie Ange, Brett Barris, DJ Money. This has been an awesome discussion. Man. Thank you so Thank much you. for the Thank time. Thank you. Thank you.